Good morning, first service. Welcome, especially to anyone here for the first time. You are in the right place. If you thought you were coming in here for a blockbuster movie, you're still in the right place. This is better than any blockbuster. <laughs> Over the years, I've been to parties where we play party games. Anybody love party games? And one of them was where we sat in a circle, 10 or 12 of us, and the leader would get out a card that had a very short story on it, usually funny with lots of details. The red fox jumps over the fence across the field. And, and, uh, and the leader would take the card and read the story by whispering it to the person next to them. And then the person next to them who didn't have the card would retell the story to the next person and then to the next one and the next one until the story would be told around the circle all the way back to the leader that has the card and the very last person that hears the story then shares the story out loud. And can I tell you, do you have an idea what happens? Because after they're done telling the story out loud of what they heard, the leader then reads the original story from the card. And it always creates a lot of laughter because it's unbelievable how much the story changes. It doesn't sound anything like what's on the card. And the fox has a hat now. His tail's on fire. The fence falls down. It's just changes. And, and you know, it's this way in any organization or project that involves lots of people over a period of time. Things just begin to shift and move away from the original vision and purpose. You know, the church is like this. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus said, I will build my church. And every generation since then, over the last 2,000 years, has had the challenge of staying with the original vision. But the thing that makes it possible is that like in that game, we have the original story. And that's, that's what the book of Mark, we've been looking in the book of Mark, reading through it together this summer. Today's the last chapter of that. And we can look at that story written by an eyewitness who interviewed other eyewitnesses. And as I've shared with you, Mark is like a screenplay from an action movie. It just moves from one scene to the next. And there we can see that Jesus comes on the scene, an unknown prophet, and begins to declare simple message. Repent. In other words, turn around, live your life for God, not for yourself, confess your sins, and then secondly, right along with that, believe the good news. Believe, and the good news is Jesus, because he's the king. He's announcing the kingdom of God is here. So repent, believe, and follow me. It's that simple. Follow me. And in the last chapter, 
chapter 16 of this action screenplay of the book of Mark, he gives the final assignment. And here's what it says in Mark 16, verse 14. Afterward, he, Jesus, appeared to the 11 themselves, the disciples, as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the good news, the gospel, to the whole creation. Now, just leave that up for a moment. I, I just love this. Let me pull a few things out that are relevant for us. Because here's the story. You notice, you know, if you write a story about yourself, you usually only tell the good stuff. And, and then here in this story, the heroes of the faith, those 11 are the apostles, the original founders of Jesus' church, but it sure doesn't make them look good. In fact, the writer Mark reveals himself in one place in his own little book, and there he runs naked out of the garden away from the soldiers. Not a flattering picture. But isn't it interesting? It validates this is no story made up. This is an eyewitness news report of something real. And it's the story that we can depend on of how to live life and build the kingdom of God in the 21st century. But what I love too about this is that the last people to believe in the resurrection were his closest followers. Their best friends had come and said, we've seen the Lord. And they didn't believe it. In fact, if you read the full story there in the last chapter, it says they were in mourning. They were having what I call a pity party. You ever been to one of those? Oh, oh. You get a couple people that are all going, oh, it's just not good. There's that sound to it. It's a bit, oh, we're, we're never going to, we gave up everything to follow him. Now what do we do? He's dead. That's what was happening. And he shows, he has to show up face to face and rebuke them, call them out for their hardness of heart, their unbelief. And we learn there, it's possible to believe in your head the whole story and still be hard on the inside, not tender to the things of God. Can I challenge you, all of us here, starting with me up here, let's don't get hard in our hearts and be unbelieving. You can believe and still be unbelieving because you're not putting into practice what you already know you should be doing. Ooh. But be, can you be, please be encouraged, because look here, instead of firing them and say, I'm getting a new team, come on, by this point, they've walked with him, they've seen everything. A few of them, like Peter, had been on the mountain and saw him transformed, I think, and then he promised that he'd come back, and they still didn't believe it. I think I'd have gone, guys, you're fired. I'm getting a new team. I can certainly find people that are willing to do this better than you guys. 
But is that what happens? No. Don't miss this. Listen carefully. Listen. Their unbelief didn't disqualify them. Your struggle, that thing that you feel is going to keep you from being able to be a good servant of God, that sin in your life, those mistakes you've made in the past, and maybe you're here today really not thinking it's possible. Maybe the pastors and some of those people on stage and their lives just seem so different. They can do it. Let me tell you what I love too. The top leaders in the church, they're the ones that had a problem too. Come on. We are not perfect people. We are simply forgiven people. Hallelujah. But we are not perfect. And I love the fact that he had to call them out. But you notice, what this tells us is that God's kindness, his forgiveness, his favor is bigger than our mistakes. It's bigger than our fears. It's bigger than that sin you're struggling with. It doesn't get the last word. It doesn't disqualify you. And listen, if anybody deserved to be disqualified, it was Peter. He was there. He was on the mountain. And yet, in Jesus' darkest hour, he ran away from his closest friend, denied him three times, and then... When he comes back to life, and like he promised to do, he's in the room with the pity party. But Jesus didn't push him aside. And that's because, listen, the Lord is more interested, not in what's happened in the past, the sins you struggle with today, but what your future's gonna look like. From that moment on, he never again talked to them about their unbelief. Do you think they still had moments of unbelief? <laughs> I guarantee you they did. But that wasn't the focus. He shifted to their assignment. That's where he wants us to focus. But don't miss this. Listen carefully. It was their moment. He was calling them out and saying, it's time to give up that person or thing that's holding you back. This is your moment. I'm not going over that again. That's time to leave that behind. I'm talking to some of you today that have some things that need to be left behind when you walk out of here today. Where you say, Lord, that isn't going to define my life. If you're looking into my future, I'm going to shift my focus away from being bitter about that thing in the past and focus on the great things you want to do in my life through my, my experience with you to touch the lives of others. It's done. And then he gives their final assignment. And listen, here's why. It was so important that they move on. The assignment's too big, too important, too significant for us to stay stuck. There's no other plan that God has to change the world. We are it in this generation. And the truth was every person on planet Earth needed to hear what they had to say. And that thing that you struggle with, you're not just struggling yourself. 
You're struggling on behalf of those who will come after you. If you will win the battle over anger and greed and bitterness and jealousy and lust, if you will let the Holy Spirit break through and allow you to get beyond just not really having a heart that's high, uh, highly devoted to him where you're just cold again. I was, years ago, I was on fire for Jesus, but, you know, I come to church, but, you know, it's not really that, that battle you're having, if you're having that battle, your children and their children will have it even more challenged in that area. Win some battles in your life that will affect the next generation in Jesus' name. So this is not about taking on the assignment just because we have to and it's our turn. This is about thinking beyond ourselves into the generations yet to come. And instead of hoping that they get over the struggle, let's pray as we're going to pray for some young, for some children today after this service. Let's speak into the next generations greater victory than we've ever had. Greater strength, more love and fire for Jesus than anything that's happened in the past and generations before us in Jesus' name. I pray that all the time and declare it all the time in my family when we're eating together, when we're praying, when we're talking together. It's part of my vocabulary and my passion to see my children and my grandchildren set the world on fire. I'm going to be right behind them, still running with them in Jesus' name. But I'm praying for greater things for them. And I declare those over your family and your children and their children and their children's children in Jesus' name. So it's time to let go of those things, to stay stuck. The assignment is too big. Repent, repent, believe, follow. And do you see the final one there? Go, go, go to every corner of the world. Tell everyone it's an action word. It's not just go from place to place. It's as you are going, here's how you're going to live. You're going to communicate the kingdom's here. So now's the time. Turn around, repent of your sins, believe in the good news, who Jesus is, the Son of God, what he's done for us. He's died. He's rose again. He's given us a life we don't deserve. We now are alive forever in Jesus' name. And now go and share that same message. Repent, believe, follow, go. It just keeps, keeps passed on. Did they do it? They sure did, or we wouldn't be here today in Jesus' name. I love the fact that Jesus saw seeds of greatness in them. I mean, you talk about a shift. So think, hey, you know, Steve, I'll get there. It's going to take a long time. Do you notice what happened in this room? One minute they're having a pity party. Oh, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? You know, we gave all our money into this. That, at one moment that's happening. It said they were mourning and crying in the room and he comes in face to face and within moments he's giving them the global assignment of the universe and at that moment things were never the same they changed the world 
And that's because the Lord saw in them the seeds of greatness that he now sees in you in Jesus' name. And if you will determine that you're now in, uh, called out to go, and, and going isn't about missions alone. Everybody has to go move somewhere else to share. Going is a mindset. Are you listening? I'm telling you, the original word in the Greek there is not, I'm going to go to China or go to India or wherever. Nothing wrong with doing that. And the church will always have some called out to go distances cross-generationally. But can I challenge you, Berlin Church? The world is coming to us here. And if you doubt it, look around the room. This is not the city of Berlin that existed even 40 years ago or 30 years ago. The world is being brought here in Jesus' name. I talk about that in my new book, Make Yourself at Home. This is basically about going, but not moving all over the world. It's about living a go, go, go lifestyle wherever we are. And the nations of the earth are here. People are having an opportunity right now, a historic opportunity. But the Lord sees the greatness in you, and he's looking not at your past mistakes, but at your future victories. And I want to close now with encouraging you with what happens with them. Verse 19, the last two verses of the book of Mark, here's what it tells us. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, broke up their pity party, gave them their assignment. After he did that, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a king who's seated on the throne of heaven. And the scripture says that he is interceding and he is working with us. Look what it says. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. I love the fact that I never thought of this. The Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was preparing this for you. The Lord was given an assignment in heaven too. Do you see it? Work with them. My son, work with your church. We're not going out, going out to do this assignment on our own. The Lord is with you. He's going to work with you. He's going to take the challenges in your life. He's going to take those things that were done against you. He's going to turn them around to a, into a weapon that will bring down strongholds in the life of someone else. I was talking with a, a person recently that had abuse in their life of the worst kind. And we prayed together. I've been freed from it. I'm no longer bitter. That was the testimony. And so then we prayed, all right, now take that victory and break that stronghold that others might be struggling with in the church in Jesus' name. Whatever's been done, God will turn it around and use it as part of your go, go, go message for other people in Jesus' name. Do you realize what that means? It means nothing that happens in your life. Someone gets sick or you have a, a tragedy in your family. God will work those things. As that scripture said, you heard read today. He'll work them out somehow. It may be years later, but this is where we trust him. 
His purpose in your life and in mine is for us to go and be so alive with his presence, so alive with our story. Here's who I was. Here's what happened when I met Jesus. Here's what he's doing in my life now. See, he wants us to go out this week and simply say, the Lord is good. He's done this for me. He, he's, he's helped a friend of mine. I've been praying for this or whatever it is. And the more we begin to go and live that lifestyle, the more Jesus will come along and work with us. So now listen, going is not traveling to another country. That can happen. That's why we're here. Jesus told us to go. But before we were told to go to Germany, we were told to go to our neighbor who was sick and didn't have any family around and help them. We were told to go and pray and encourage someone that was discouraged or contemplating suicide. We were told to go and serve in the nursery and in children's ministry and wherever the church leaders ask us to serve for years. And then Jesus said, I want you to do all of that, but go and do it in Berlin. What? We didn't believe it. So we had a couple of our leaders, we prayed with them. We said, could you imagine us doing that? They said, oh, we see it all over you. See, the Lord will use people in your going. He'll bring people into your life that see the seeds of greatness that Jesus sees that you may not even see in Jesus' name. So our assignment, dear brothers and sisters, is each of us to repent, to believe, to follow Jesus, pattern our life after him, and to get up and go. And I'm telling you, on the journey that I've been on in my life, there is no greater life. There's nothing as satisfying. He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you love to travel, he'll make sure that's somehow in the mix. If if you love certain things, then you give them to God and say, I love art, or I love film, or I love something, he'll take the passions that are stirring in your spirit and he'll use them as part of your going beyond what you can ever ask or imagine. And that is our kingdom assignment in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's just take a moment of meditation. Just kind of Close your eyes where you are. Just, Lord, I, for, I thank you for the attention of your church. Looking out, I, I see people hearing your voice. The very thing I ask in prayer all week. Lord, let me disappear. Jesus, let your voice be heard. And I see that's happened just as I ask you to do. You have done it. Thank you, Jesus, for working with me. And now, Lord, I pray that you would stir in those who are believers. That they'd get a revelation that you're working with them. That those signs that will accompany them will be favor and blessing and and supernatural things that can't be explained as they go through life. And yes, Lord, let the gifts of the Spirit of healing and miracles And the things we usually think of as the signs, let those pour out over your church as well. And so I say on behalf of my brothers and sisters, Lord, we hear your voice. 
We hear the assignment. We thank you for the simplicity and the beauty of your assignment that requires us to be transformed and then used. And that you're not getting pushing us aside. You don't give up on us even when we give up on ourselves. And so we thank you for that, Lord. So speak. Holy Spirit, speak to each person here about their role in the assignment in Jesus' name.